Welcome to the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is Joel Lapierre, High School Director at LBC. And this is Chris Moore, the Children's Ministry Director at LBC. We are excited to bring to you another episode of the LBC Podcast. Sometimes the topics we choose to discuss come out of a, the sermon series or just an issue that we see that the church is facing today, and we feel that would be really helpful to discuss so this week, we are going to talk about a topic to help prepare us for a new sermon series on worship that's coming up. And so uh, we have invited John Harrell with us, our worship director, uh, to come back on the podcast and to answer a few questions for us. So, so thanks for coming on, John. Howdy. Howdy, y'all. Howdy. All right. That was a great response. Uh, Eric, a couple weeks ago, did just a thumbs up in that didn't it's, work. It's, so. it's the shirt I'm wearing. Oh, it's, you feel a little cowboyish? A little bit. Is that you feel more manly. Okay. Well, in, in Bakersfield, you have to have some kind of cowboy shirt to, to really fit in. I'm learning that. Yeah. Yeah. Coming from your, your Ojai uh, hipster ways. <laughs> hippie ways. Yeah, your yeah. hippie ways too. <laughs> you know, the Bible Belt, Bakersfield. No. Yeah. Just, yeah. just need some boots. <laughs> uh, anyway, though, um, yeah, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, so really the angle we want to take with you... Um, is how do we create a better worship culture at LBC? Because mm. I think oftentimes worship is hard for people to be comfortable and to really respond to Christ. I think there's a lot of things that kind of come with that. And I know personally that I struggle to respond, um, you know, on Sunday mornings when my mind is so busy. I mean, mm-hmm. I work here, um, so I'm oftentimes thinking about ministry and not about specifically my own personal relationship with Christ. Um and I know even too, I, I mean, we're just, we get busy and, uh, you know, sometimes maybe there's a song that I don't, you're not connecting with. So there's just a lot of little interesting things that sometimes can be a road, roadblock for us. And, um, and so, but when I look at John and when I look at the worship team, you guys all seem so excited to worship and just ready to respond to Christ on Sundays. And so kind of the, the first question is really, and I guess there's two questions, but is that really genuine? I know that sounds funny, but is that really genuine? And then if so, how do we as a church obtain that same kind of excitement for worship and ultimately create a better worship culture? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that, well, first of all, I will say, yes, it is genuine. We have, uh, or at least as far as I can tell, you know, I can't look into the hearts of every single individual believer, but uh, LBC is really blessed with an incredible team of volunteers Mm-hmm. for our worship ministry. Um, they are men and women who are hungry to learn more about who Christ is. They are hungry to embrace whatever it takes to become more effective as leaders. And, uh, you know, I just, I continually uphold them and applaud them um, because they are just, they have the right heart, the right attitude, and it has been such a joy to work with them. Um, but yes, the the excitement is genuine. I would say it's <laughs> absolutely genuine in just the way that we prepare. Um you know, it's worship is first and foremost, as, as the Bible describes worship, it is our service to God. Worship is not something that we, you know, that it makes it all about us or it's something that we receive from God. It is our actual work. It's our service toward God. And so it is important to point out, you know, like, like what, what we see in Romans chapter 12, you know, that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or reasonable act of worship or service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, worship, you know, in a broad sense is, is all of life. It's everything that we do. Um, it should be done as worship unto the Lord. Um, everything should be done towards that goal of glorifying Christ. 
Um, but in this specific conversation, obviously, we're talking about within the context of the gathering, you know, when we're singing songs together, um, you know, is it genuine excitement? Yes, it is genuine excitement. And uh, how that gets cultivated, um, what you see on stage really is the result of what's been going on all week. And I think that's where we kind of get things mixed up sometimes is we just assume that showing up on Sunday, you know, we're going to receive our daily dose of spiritualism or our daily or our weekly lightning bolt from God where we'll feel something and we call that worship. Um, When in actuality, worship should be cultivated every single day, a heart of worship, um, and so I think what you see on stage with the excitement is really just the result of a team of people who have been looking at God all week long through his word, through the daily interactions that we have in life, watching God move in our lives and cultivating hearts that are thankful for what Jesus has done and um, thankful for who God is and thankful that we are known by God and that we are able to know God because he's revealed himself to us. And so our response is uh, worship. We're excited to share these truths with God's people because they're true. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've experienced them to be true yeah. in our in our daily lives. You know, it's cool is I, I can really see that, especially on your drummer, Sam. <laughs> like, and I've heard yeah. multiple, people, multiple people say this, like, what is, what is that guy's deal? Because he looks so <laughs> excited to worship every time he's up there drumming. He's just got a smile like 24-7. So that's just awesome to see. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of become a running joke on our on our worship team in all of the right ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, whenever we gather together, we'll always ask Sam, Sam, how are you doing today? And it's always the same answer. Excellent. That's my best example. <laughs> That's my best impression of yes. Sam as, as I can one. do. That's pretty good. Sam is probably the most genuinely joyful person I've ever met in my life. So shout out to Sam Devera. If you guys see him and, you know, he's, he's the regular drummer nowadays. And uh, dang, that guy's got a heart for Christ and just so much joy. Mm. So, That's yeah, great. he's he picks up the team quite often. Awesome. Yeah. It's good. So, John, what scriptural support do you have for a healthy worship culture, and what what should it look like? Well, thankfully, as we're going to see in this upcoming worship series, God's not silent on the topic of worship. Uh, we don't get to just make worship whatever we want it to be because God has spoken quite a bit. <laughs> right. In fact, gave us a whole songbook to go out of. So, uh, you know, I, I I typically, you know, what I just what I just shared with you guys about responding to how God has revealed Himself to us. That's kind of the fancy alliteration type way that we as a team describe worship. Uh, we describe worship as a, a rhythm of revelation and response. It's a rhythm of revelation and response. In other words, uh, it's living in that tension of the fact that God does reveal himself to us in many ways. Um, he's revealed himself to us through creation. That's where we see his power, his you know, divine attributes. We see his wisdom. Um, he's revealed himself to us through his word uniquely. He's revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. Um, he also reveals himself to us through trials that we face. That's where we get to experience whether or not this stuff is really true. Um, he reveals himself to us through the church, through one another. You know, God reveals himself to us in so many different ways. And so, uh, our response to God's revelation of himself to us is really in its purest form. That's what worship is. We see God and we respond. There's not one person in the Bible who encountered God who didn't wasn't forced to a response. Mm. Every time we encounter God, 
it elicits a response. And so, uh, you know, I, I, the simplest passage that I go to is Psalms 100, which is pretty common. It's a psalm that it's very, very, very short. It's only five verses, but Psalm 100 simply says, we're commanded, okay, this isn't a suggestion, we're commanded, <laughs> make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve, there it is, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Now, if we just left that to itself, it'd be like, okay, this is what we're commanded to do. God's, God's big. He does this, this is what we're commanded to do. So let's begrudgingly do it. No, it gives us the reason why we should do it in verse three. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So why are we to make a joyful noise to God? Because he's our creator, because he's our shepherd, because he's the one who made us and we belong to him. Why should we serve the Lord with gladness? Because we are his sheep. He takes care of us. He protects us. He feeds us. We're to come into his presence with singing because we are his. There's a reason. God has revealed himself as creator, as our shepherd, uh, and we are to respond to him by making a joyful noise. We are to respond with gladness, with service unto him, by serving him and by coming into his presence with singing. The last two verses do the exact same thing. It commands us, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks. There it is again. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Again, that would just be its own little command by itself, and you might get the impression of, well, okay, he's big. I guess I have to do it. No, it gives us the reason why in verse 5. For the Lord is good. Oh, that's so good. And his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness endures to all generations. Is there ever anything that we should be more thankful for than the fact that the Lord is good? That his love is steadfast and it endures forever? And that he is faithful to every generation? That's why we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That's why we're to give thanks to him and bless his holy name. So God reveals himself to us, and that revelation elicits a response mm -hmm. to the goodness of God and to, and to who he is. It's the same with Psalm 96. Um, you know, I just encourage everybody to take the time to read Psalm 96. But for the New Testament perspective, uh, we go to Colossians chapter 3. Because in Colossians chapter 3, uh, you know, Paul really kind of picks up this same motif of thanksgiving uh, when he says, let the word of Christ, this is now because Jesus has come, we've seen God's full revelation of himself, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, here it is, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so that's kind of the New Testament perspective on worship right there. And, you know, that uh, it's because of Christ and it's allowing the word of Christ to dwell in our hearts richly, to allow that to be on our minds, to allow that to be in our speech and in our songs as we teach and admonish one another, as we sing, there's the command again, we are commanded to sing, mm. as we sing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, all of this with thankfulness in our hearts to God. It's that rhythm of revelation. God reveals himself to us and we respond 
to what to what he, how he has revealed himself to us. We respond to who he is and to what he's done with thanksgiving in our hearts. And so as we're allowing the word of Christ, the gospel, to dwell in us richly, it will lead to gratitude. It will lead to thanksgiving. It will lead naturally. The natural byproduct is expressive, glorious worship that makes much of God. All right. Uh, why does creating a good worship culture matter? Doesn't that kind of take the focus off of God and onto us? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, obviously, we never want to take the focus off of God in worship, right? We, mm. we, we never want to put it on, on us. Um, why does it matter? Yeah, no, there's um, worship. Let us not forget, worship really is the end goal of salvation. Well, I mean, I, I guess you could say the end goal of salvation is the glory of God. But, uh, you know, God is in the process of taking dead God haters, the Bible tells us, mm -hmm. and transforming them into God worshipers. That's the sanctification process. This is what God is doing. When you look at the end of all time, what are we doing? We're in the kingdom worshiping. When you see what's happening in heaven right now in, in Revelation chapter 5, what are they doing? They're worshiping. The multitudes are worshiping Jesus Christ. Um, and so worship really is the end goal here. That's the end result is that with our whole heart and with our whole mind, with hearts that are full of thanksgiving, um, with bodies that are perfected, we perfectly worship Jesus Christ. That's the end goal here. And so um, creating a worship culture that's healthy here matters because this is really God's end goal mm. for all of us. And so, um, you know, but on more of like the practical day-to-day -day side of things, you know, we, we talk a lot about the vertical aspect of worship. That, In other words, worship is between me and God, right? That it's a, I've, I've heard it described as worship is a conversation. You know, we sing songs and we pray and it's like a conversation between me and God. And, you know, there is a, uh, there is truth to that for sure. And, and we even see that in the Psalms. There are a lot of Psalms that is very, are very personal just between, you know, the, the songwriter and God. Mm -hmm. um, there is that vertical aspect of worship, but we often forget that there's also a horizontal aspect of worship, that our worship affects people. And that's, that's become lost, I think, in our culture because we're very individualistic in our culture. Yeah, um, We tend to apply that to worship. And worship, really, it's not strictly individualistic. It, it, it also affects the people around us. Uh, you know, we see that in the Bible. Psalm 73 is an excellent example where Asaph is struggling in his theology. He's really struggling as he sees, uh, you know, he, he's, he sees the righteous people suffering. And then he sees, uh, you know, the wicked people uh, thriving. And he's like, God, what's up? You know, and he's mm -hmm. really coming unglued, right? And everything changes for him when he comes into the assembly of God's people. And there he's reminded of the truth of who God is and who God has been in his life, right? It's the worship of the other people. It's the gathering of the saints that helped him come out of that as he saw God. And so... Um, worship has a horizontal aspect to it. We just saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that um, Paul's desire, Paul's vision was that the unbeliever who was in their midst, mm. who was in their worship service, that the unbeliever would fall on his knees and declare, God is truly among you. You know, his, his goal was, he was speaking to that point that worship is evangelistic. You know, so our worship, the way we worship, the way we express in worship um, says a whole lot 
to onlookers about who we believe God to be. It builds up and edifies the church, and it preaches to the unsaved. When we passionately make much of God as we gather together as God's people. And so, you know, it, it really, it really matters because, you know, I'm, and I'm always cognizant of this. I'm, I'm thinking all the time when I'm on stage, you know, of the unbelievers that are in our midst, because in a church our size, they're there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, man, if they were to look around at people with folded arms, closed lips, just staring like spectators at us on stage, what are they thinking about the glory of God? Mm-hmm. What are they thinking about the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yeah. so, and I think we've all had those experiences of being edified by the other believers. You know, there are plenty of times I've walked into a worship service. There are plenty of times when I've led <laughs> even, and my heart was cold and my heart was just, oh man, I'm just not feeling it today. And yet it's looking at and beholding the church, making much of Christ and expressing with glorious passion yeah. and joyful, thankful hearts. Um, the praises of God that has pulled me out of that coldness to say, oh, I forgot how glorious God is. I forgot how glorious the gospel is. And it pulls me out of that. It edified me. Mm-hmm. I think we've all experienced that from time to time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've, when I come into worship, oftentimes I think one of the benefits of worshiping with other believers, I'm challenged. Yeah. I'm challenged by not only the the lyrics and like the words that I'm supposed to be saying right. about who God is, but I'm, I'm also challenged by people around me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times when people say, close your eyes, don't pay attention to people. But Mm-mm. like, I actually like, I love at times just with my eyes open, fully like worshiping, but, but I'm seeing people around me who I can tell they're just so engaged. Yeah. And in like, and especially too, like when I look back at the people up on stage, this is why it's important to have awesome leaders like Sam. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just seeing the joy that's on his face, you can lead through your countenance. It challenges yeah. me. I'm like, yeah. I should like, I should have that too. Yeah. I should be excited too. Yeah. And then when I'm not, I have to ask the question, why am I not? Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the challenge. And I love that. I love that about worship. So something that resonated with what you said, John, about um, God transforming people who are God haters into worshipers, it reminds me that our heart naturally doesn't want to worship because that's true. that was our original state before coming to the Lord. So, you know, the next question is really talking about um, along those lines, like what are some major roadblocks to a better worship culture here at LBC? Maybe it's personally. Um, what, what do you have to say to that? Yeah, no, there are, uh, that, is, that is, wow, we could spend five podcasts just talking about that. <laughs> All right, there you go. But you Done. actually, you actually, you know, you really tapped into, um, to a key point there that our, our hearts left to their natural states don't desire this, mm. you know, we're never going to drift toward worship. Mm-hmm. It takes work. And that's why it's our service to God. It takes work to cultivate a heart that worships, uh, you know, but, um, but we're not hopeless in this because God has given us his church. God has given us his word. God has given us his spirit. He's given us Jesus. Mm. He's given us truly everything that is necessary for life and godliness. So, um, but there are roadblocks, you know, of, of course we know that, you know, the, the three primary roadblocks to, to our growth, uh, in Jesus Christ is the world, the flesh and the devil. It's the culture that we live in, that we're a part of is always working against our growth, our spiritual growth. 
you know, our, our own flesh, our own hearts. We can't trust our own hearts mm. um, and our and our minds. You know, we still have our sin nature that dwells that dwells within us, and so the flesh is constantly trying to pull us away from that. And of course, we have an enemy, a very real enemy, Satan, uh, who is actively working against our spiritual growth. And so um, that seems daunting until you recognize the gospel and the Holy spirit and the mm-hmm. fact that God wins, but um, <laughs> how that manifests itself though, when it comes to a worship culture in a church, uh, you know, is more often than not, you know, I think we can, we take, um, especially from our culture, we take a lot of those things and we apply them to the church, which is a huge mistake. And uh, often we're not discerning enough to see how we're, how we're doing those things. You know, one thing that stands out to me is we live in a culture of self gratification. So our culture today, you know, really preaches, have it your own way, uh, you know, whatever makes you happy, that's what the ultimate goal in life is, is whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel fulfilled. Um, that's what's good. That's what's worth pursuing. Give me, give me, give me, give me whatever that looks like. I just need to gratify myself. Uh, we take that into church when we show up just expecting to receive, 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 receive. This is where we get critical of the songs that are played. This is where we get critical of the the way the word was preached or where we get, you know, just critical of church in, in general is really a lot of times rooted in this idea of how it made me feel or how it didn't make me feel. Therefore it was good or it was bad. And we don't show up with the mindset of giving. We don't show up to church with the mindset of this is my service to God. I'm here to give my praise. I'm here to give because my God is great. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the heart that needs to be cultivated all throughout the week is every day, God, how can I, give? How can I serve you today? You know, not how can I get, 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 get. So this culture of self-gratification seeps into the church. I think even more uh, subtle is a culture of envy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we live in a culture that's just ripe with envy. And I, I, I really blame social media <laughs> for a lot of this. Yeah. Um, the advent of social media has, has really, uh, wow. I mean, it's just created a huge culture of envy where we're constantly seeing what other people have and we're constantly seeing you know lives portrayed i don't think it's really real but lives portrayed as perfect and and we start to think why isn't my life like that why don't i have these things and if you if you've seen the verses we just read thanksgiving and giving thanks is a core attribute of worship we do it out of hearts of that are of gratitude and thanksgiving for who god is and what he's done that's really at the at the heart of worship, and nothing kills gratitude and thankfulness more than envy, more than spending all our time looking at all the things we don't have and focusing on that. That is an absolute killer. And then, of course, the culture of busyness. We wear that like a badge in our culture. You know, that we're, we're too busy to open our Bibles and have God reveal himself to us. We're too busy to pray. We just don't have enough time. Maybe if I have some extra time, I'll pencil that in. Um, we just we just allow ourselves to get too busy with these with these other things, and then of course on the personal level, unconfessed sin in our own hearts and in our own lives. That's always that's always going to be a, a a killer towards a heart that's in awe of God is un, is unconfessed sin. Oh, yeah. So um, notice, you know, one thing I didn't say here is trials and tri- and tribulations. Um, I think more often than not, we think that if we're in severe trials, we can't worship, and it's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. More often than not. You know, if our heart's focus is on Christ, even in the midst of our trials, that's usually when we're drawn into worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so trials are not a prerequisite for saying, I can't worship. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. That's great. All right. Um, how can we take this truth and apply it to our lives? 
Uh, well, going along with that, you give up your pursuit of self-gratification. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think identifying our culture of self-gratification and envy and busyness, being able to identify how that manifests in your life personally helps you combat that. Mm-hmm. It helps you address those things in your life that are causing that to grow in your heart and, and so that you can kill those things in your life. And if that means cutting off social media, hey, get radical. Life is short. <laughs> Yeah. Social media is not going to be around when Jesus comes back. I'm sorry. That I don't think there's social media in the kingdom. <laughs> like I think Twitter is going to be long gone by then. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to last. Um, the only thing that lasts are people's souls and, you know, Jesus Christ and his word. These are the things that last. And so, you know, focus in on those things. But on top of that, you know, just recognize that a, a, a heart of worship, a heart that is in awe of God that's not something you're going to naturally just drift into. That's not something that God's going to zap you with one day. It's like a farmer. You have to cultivate that. Mm-hmm. And you have to feed it every single day. Um, there's a quote that we live by on the worship team that says, it's by Matt Boswell. And he says, worship begins in the heart. It's cultivated in the home. In other words, in your private life. And it's displayed in the church. And so what he's saying right there is so crucial that what takes place in the church should be the natural result of what's been cultivating in your heart, what's been growing in your heart all week long as you've been engaging in a real everyday relationship with God. And, uh, you know, we often treat church like uh, I'm just going to show up and get my lightning bolt from God this week and, and then I'll check in with him again in a week next Sunday. And that doesn't work in marriage. It doesn't work with our kids. If I only spoke to my wife for one hour a week, every one of you would say, that's not a marriage. Mm-hmm. And yet we do this to God all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, a real relationship means we're daily interacting with God, daily trying to see how he's moving in our lives. And so when we all gather together, we're just celebrating what God's been doing and what God is doing. And we're, we're celebrating him for who he is and how he's been revealing himself to us. So, um, but, you know, I just, I just have a short list, too, of just, you know, some practical things, especially for families. Starting off first, first with this, I'm going to step on some toes here, so it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. It's the worship guy going on a rant, so there we go. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start with this. If anybody out there is taking notes, take notes. <laughs> uh, remember this. Number one, Sunday starts on Saturday. Come to church prepared. Come to church prepared. Not prepared just to receive, but come to church prepared to give, to serve, to give to God. Come prepared. And what that means is maybe you go to bed and put your kids to bed earlier on Saturday because you know tomorrow is Sunday and you want to have a fresh mind to receive God's word. You want to have, you know, listening, attentive ears. You don't want to be falling asleep, whatever that takes. Go to bed early, wake up refreshed, get the kids up and be excited because it's time for church. It's time for us to go and gather with God's people and to sing his praises together and to celebrate what he's been doing and who he is. Um, So Sunday starts on Saturday. Saturday night, begin that preparation so that you can come to church on time and prepared. Um, You know, that actually leads to my second point. Number two, show up on time. Mm. (laughs) So LBC, uh, I was told even before I came here, is kind of the, the church that shows up late to things and or the last minute, you know, kind of thing. And, um, 
yeah, it's kind of true. You know, there's, there's some, there's some truth to that, but you know, show up on time, show up on time, you know, for every Sunday that you're late, you've missed something. Every detail of what we do on Sunday mornings is planned and, and follows an arc. It, it, it's, it's, it's planned and it's there for a reason. We don't just haphazardly throw songs together. Everything in the service matters and leads towards something. And so show up on time. And I can't tell you how many times I've said, man, I just can't show up to church on time. You show up to sporting events on time. You would never show up to a movie late or you're in yeah. panic mode. It's true. You show up to dinner on time or a party on time. It's not a, it, it's not a lack of ability. It's a lack of value. Do you see this as your time so it doesn't really matter? Or do you see this as this is my service to God? I'm here to worship God and I don't want to miss a second of gathering with God's people. That says more about our hearts than it does our schedules. We always make time for the things that we value. Yeah. So I would say show up to church on time and show up expecting for God to move. Uh, that leads to my third point. Pray for God's help. When you do show up to church or on the way to church, even if it's even if you got kids, this is a great thing to pray out loud to your kids. God help me to see you today. There's, I mean, that should be our prayer every day. Yeah. But uh, especially when we're coming to church, God, what do you want to say to me through your word today? What do you want to say to me through the songs today, God? I pray that you would speak to me, speak to my family, show us something about who you are today, and help us to worship you because we need God's help in all of this. Holy Spirit, help me to worship you with all my might today and to give you my best. Ask for God's help. And then uh, don't just seek to receive. That is part of it. You know, we are going to receive as we hear the word of God. We're going we're gonna to receive blessing as we're edified by our brothers and sisters. All of that, you know, we do receive. That is a big part of it. But we also need to come prepared to respond to God and prepared to serve with our time, with our energy, with everything. Come prepared to receive, prepared to respond, and prepared to serve. Good. All right. So any resources, books, um, articles that you might suggest for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, the number one book is the Bible. <laughs> start there. <laughs> uh, uh, we're we're testing you there. We we're hoping <laughs> you would say that. <laughs> um, we, uh, you cannot cultivate a heart of worship independent of daily Bible reading. Yeah. Let me just say that. You can't do it. God has revealed himself to us in his word, and he expects that we seek him through his word. Uh, and so nothing will cultivate more of awe towards God or gratitude than daily being in his word and being in prayer. Um, so we, we cannot uh, supplement that with anything else. But some great resources. Uh, I, I mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago, uh, True Worshippers by Bob Coughlin. Again, it's an easy read. It's a fun read. It's a biblically insightful read. Um, he, it's just a great book on worship and the practicality of a lot of the things that we just talked about. Also, there's a book called uh, For Whose Pleasure? For Whose Pleasure by Steve Klingbeil, I think is how you pronounce oh. his name. K-L-I-N-G-B-E-I-L. That's a great pronunciation there. Thank you. Uh, for <laughs> Good phonetics. He's not going to probably listen to this. So. Uh, for, for Whose Pleasure by Steve Klingbeil. So that's, that's also a great resource. And then um, if you go to Desiring God, I believe it's .org, mm-hmm. uh, John, John Piper's, um, Jordan Coughlin, who's the son of Bob Coughlin, has uh, a great article on how do you prepare for Sunday. And uh, a lot of the things that we've talked about are on there as well from a biblical perspective. And so, um, yeah, great. Uh, my, my 
you know, vision and goal in all of this is that when the Church of Jesus Christ gathers, we make much of God mm-hmm. and make much of his truths. And so I don't listen to the arguments that, well, I don't sing or I just don't this, that, or the other, or fill in the blank. Um, it's not about us. And that's, that's what we have to get into our hearts and minds. When we gather as God's people, uh, when we live our lives day to day, it is not about us. Mm-hmm. It is all about his glory and making much of Christ. Awesome. Well, thank you. That was really helpful on really understanding how do we create a better worship culture. So thank you for sharing all that with us, John. Thank you. Awesome. All right, Chris, before we go, do you have any events coming up? We do. So summer one is coming up June 2nd. Um, So we combine our two services on Sundays into one, and that one service starts at 10 a.m., And it's a great way for the families that usually come to either one of the services to come together, get to see people you don't normally see on Sundays, and uh, just worship together, which is really awesome. And we also have our uh, annual family business meeting coming up on May 19th. And for the first time, we're going to do that immediately after second service. So we're going to have lunch. We'll have childcare for zero to 36 months or for young families. Please come. It's, It's fun to get to know what we're doing at church and being part of that discussion of what God's doing. And um, that is everything we have, Joel. You have been listening to the LBC Podcast, a podcast of Laura Glenn Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. If you'd like listening to this podcast, please rate, leave a review, share with a friend, and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all new podcasts. Thank you for listening in, and God bless you. We'll see you next time.